I begin, really, just our our day here by asking you a question, and here's the question, is God speaking today, directly, infallibly, and independently of the scriptures? Is he still speaking today? I mean, certainly, we'd say of the word he is, but is he speaking today directly, infallibly, and independently of the scriptures? Does he reveal himself, his will, his truth, apart from the Bible? And it seems like maybe a very popular one today is does he reveal himself in pictures and images and dreams and visions today? John Calvin said, as soon as the Spirit, capital S, is severed from Christ's Word, the door is open to all sorts of craziness and impostures and impostors. I think that's true. One of my favorite theologians of the faith, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this. He said, let us imagine I follow the, he said it, the, the mystic way. I begin to have experiences. I think God is speaking to me. How do I know it is God who is speaking to me? How can I know that I am not speaking to man? How can I be sure that I am not the victim of hallucinations since this has happened to many of the mystics? If I believe in mysticism as such without the Bible, how do I know that I am not being deluded by Satan? as an angel of light, in order to keep me from the true and living God. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I have no standard. And then he went on to say, evangelical doctrine tells me not to look into myself, but to look into the Word of God. Not to examine myself, but to look at the revelation that has been given to me. He says, it tells me that that God can only be known in his own way, the way in which he has been revealed in the scriptures themselves, end of quotes. Shay and I have uh, personally, over the years, talked to one man who's, who's a friend who claims to teach people to pray in groups that they might see messages and pictures to remove the blockage in their spiritual life and gain the victory. And they often dredge up you know, repressed uh, memories. Uh, Prayer is good, obviously. Prayer is good. But when you begin to look for a mental image... And a, and a picture and begin to call those up as though the Holy Spirit is going to directly use that in counseling, I find no warrant for that at all in Scripture. Last week in New Zealand, a woman approached me after I spoke on the subject of the Holy Spirit, and she told me that she was a prophetess. And I said, really? She said, oh yeah. And and she has since uh, come to the truth, but she was known as a prophetess. Uh, 
would go around not only all of New Zealand, but many parts around the globe being asked to come to the church so that she could give a prophetic word. And it's fascinating to talk to her. And I asked her about her visions that she saw. And I said, did you really see those? And she said, I did, to which I did not doubt that vision. But I did tell her that, frankly, that sounds demonic. And she said, oh, it was. It was. She was a prophetess. It was pretty revealing. She said, Scott, I love the power of it. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, I love to tell people what God was saying to them. And uh, I guess it finished for her when she went into a church and there were people flailing all over the ground, singing all over the place with no sense of order. And she thought to herself, which was the Holy Spirit, God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. And she was led through a series of events out of that. Does God still give prophetic word today? Now, when I mention that, you're familiar with that, the prophetic word. That is a big deal today. In fact, in many churches today all over our globe, they'll place one of these mics um, at a couple of different places in the sanctuary, and it's called open mic. And if you have a word from the Lord, you can come up and give a word for the people. Certainly the Lord can use the testimony of a believer. We understand that. But when you begin to call it a word from the Lord, then you're speaking of the nature of revelation. Let me tell you what Jesus said about all this. Open your Bible to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, a very important text for us both this week and the week to come, which will probably come after Father's Day. But uh, this is an amazing text. You follow along. Trust that it will prepare our hearts for communion. In verse 12, Jesus said in John 16, verse 12, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you unto all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. May God bless his scripture. Now, you remember we're here. They've just left the upper room. It's just hours before his death. It is late, late Thursday night, maybe close to, uh, I would say, 12 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 12 in the morning. He's moving on his way into his Gethsemane. Judas has already left the building. He has already betrayed the Lord. He is already holding in his hand 30 pieces of silver that has betrayed the Son of God. The soldiers are probably on the move. He's going into his high priestly prayer in Gethsemane and so forth. And I think the disciples are just wondering, hey, how do we, how do we preach this gospel in the context of a hate-filled world? I mean, how do we do this thing? Our Lord, our Master is leaving, and He is our everything. I mean, He was their teacher. 
He was their provider. He was their protector. What would they do? What might you do even this morning in the midst of difficulty? Well, our Lord declares in very strong language that he will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, as you look in John chapter 16, the big picture real quick is we're hated by the world in 16, 1 through 6, hated by the world, and then in 7 through 15, we are helped by the Holy Spirit, helped by the Holy Spirit. And then falling under that banner of being helped by the Holy Spirit, I want to look at five essential characteristics of the Holy Spirit that enable us to understand his role both then and even now today. Now we've seen those first essential characteristics. They're there. They'll come up on the screen. You can see those. First, he's identified by name. He's, he's, his name is the helper of the spirit of truth. He's identified by sender. Jesus said, I will send him. He said, the father will send. He's identified by function. That is function. At least one of them is to bear witness about me. And he's identified by his convicting work in the world. And that's where we left off in 7 through 11. He is working to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment. So I bring you to the fifth characteristic, the Holy Spirit, one of the functions today and then as he declares truth to the apostles. So if you're looking at the text, it looks this way, that he brings conviction to the world, because it says that in verse 8, he will convict the world. But here, to us, to believers, he brings truth to the church. Now, as we look at this fifth characteristic, uh, and it, the, the title of it is, is that he's identified by declaring truth. That is what he does. The Holy Spirit, whatever we might think today, or some might think, let's let Jesus be our teacher, he declares truth. Now, the reason I'm putting that in the point is I want you to look at the text in 13, 14, and 15. Three separate times he states that. Look in verse 13. When the Spirit comes, he will guide you, it's a different word, unto all the truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is a, de is a declarer of truth. It's the word actually for preaching, which is very interesting. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and, second time, declare it to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal truth. Look at verse 15. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine, and here's the third time, declare it to you. And so these statements confirm the declaration of truth by way of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, just as we track here, is going to do that in four ways, just that I might put a little bit of a hanger for you to follow where this text is going. There's four ways that this truth is declared. I want to look at the sequence to truth, number one, okay? And then secondly, look at uh, the substance of truth, the source of truth, 
And then finally, the spotlight of truth. We might have to save that one for two weeks. But first, the sequence to truth. The sequence to truth. Look, look at verse 12. I love this statement. I still have, Jesus said, many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I think we understand that at this point. Overwhelmed by the loss of their Savior. Overwhelmed by the sorrow of the Savior's departure, which they still did quite, quite didn't grasp. Overwhelmed by their failure even to grasp the significance of the cross, the significance of the resurrection, the significance of his ascension. They just can't, at this point, get it, and part of it is just the sorrow. Now, when Jesus says here in verse 12, I have many things to say to you, what he's really grasping there and, and teaching them, he's speaking about revelation. I really want to say more to you, but it's not the time. In other words, here in verse 12, that word there, you cannot bear it. It's like a heavy weight. It is like picking up a heavy stone. Your sorrow has made it not the right time. And in addition to that, Jesus is not finished with his mission. Jesus has not died. Jesus has not been raised. Jesus at this point has not ascended. So he can't bear these things to them in the sequence to the truth until he accomplishes his mission. And we celebrate communion today because he did accomplish his mission. But there's a little sequence there until that happens. Look at verse 13 now. He says, when though the Spirit comes, okay? When the Spirit of truth comes, stop there. In other words, I, I have more to say to you, but when the Spirit of truth comes, and it says in verse 13, who will guide you unto all the truth. Now, the, the Spirit's coming, and we've been studying that together look back just a few chapters at chapter 14 we're still in this same context you'll note there in 1426 but the helper the holy spirit verse 26 whom the father will send in my name in other words we're anticipating the disciples were the coming of the holy spirit Look over at John 15 in verse 26, 15, 26. But when the helper, Parakletos, comes, 15, 26, whom I will, future tense, send to you. And so he said in 16, 7, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. He must complete his, his mission of the death, resurrection, and ascension. So this is, beloved... On this sequence to truth, a promise from Christ that the Holy Spirit would be coming. And we've addressed that prior. He's coming, uh, probably, it's hard to grasp the pinpoint of the date, probably between 40 to 50 days from this point. Because he will spend days on the earth as well. One man pinpointed it at 53 days. So they're waiting for the truth. So there's a sequence here. And then you remember at the day of Pentecost, or even prior to it, at Acts 1.8, remember when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it didn't come in Acts 1, it came in Acts 
2.4 when it says there that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then down in 2.33, it says being exalted at the right hand of the Father, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then the language changes in 2.33 that he has poured out this that you are seeing. And so, beloved, I think we understand that sequence. Pentecost marked the opening of the new era of the Holy Spirit's work. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, even this morning, was permanently given and resides in every one of you this morning. And it resides in you at the time and at the point when you trusted Christ as your Savior. When you became born again, when you became a believer, you not only received the forgiveness of sins, you not only received adoption, you not only were saved, now looking back, you are now also at this point the recipient of the Holy Spirit who will not just be with you, but he will be in you. So that's the sequence to the truth. But the truth is coming. But secondly, when he does come, Look here, secondly, at the substance of truth. Back in chapter 16, verse 13, it says there that he, when he does come, will guide you, watch this, unto all the truth. This is the work of the Holy Spirit then. This is the work of the Holy Spirit today. But he's going to guide you unto all the truth. Now, specifically, he's going to guide the apostles to all the truth of Scripture. Now, the substance of this truth, if, and we've looked at that word before, obviously, God is the truth. He is truth in his person. God is true. It says that attribute all over the Bible. Jesus, we know, is the substance of that truth because he is the way, the life, and the truth we know in John 17 7 that his word is truth so what you have here now is a statement that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you verse 13 into all the truth now all truth does not mean all things without exception I think really here it's talking about biblical truth life death ascension of Christ. All truth is not imparting exhaustive knowledge of nuclear physics, astronomy, cell biology, and so forth. But all the truth is a promise that was given to the apostles that enabled them to remember, to record, and write the scripture is the thought. And so we come to know the substance of all truth by way of the apostles. Now, Scott, why do you say the apostles? Because obviously there's a recipient of this particular promise. You say a recipient? Yeah, just look back at the language. You might want to underline this. And, and by the way, as I look at this with you, who's his audience here? He is not preaching the Sermon on the Mount here. He is not preaching to a group of people here. He is not preaching to the 70 in Acts 1. He's preaching, speaking, teaching to the 11. That is the context of the upper room. 
that was only the disciples around the table. Judas departed. He's speaking to the eleven. So you have to make sure you identify that. Look at verse 12. I have many more things to say to you. He's speaking to the eleven. We'd call them the eleven disciples who became the eleven apostles. Verse 13, I have many more things. Or he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Underline the apostles to all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine, therefore I said I will, he will take of mine what is mine and declare it to you. It's very, very clear that that is the apostles. So beloved, let me say this to you, and I'll give some implications in a moment, that we come... To all truth via the apostles. This is what we call in the scripture apostolic doctrine. That is why we teach the scripture here. Line by line, precept upon precept. They received all truth, and I'll give you the source in a moment. But truth came via the apostles. Meaning this, that we or I or anyone doesn't have a direct pipeline or hotline to all truth. We know all truth by reading the account of those who were guided by the Holy Spirit to all truth. And here, all the truth, the truth, the the thought here is in all of its parts. And what is that? That is a reference to Scripture. And beloved, and I can't say this strong enough to you, Scripture is a finished word. It's a complete revelation. Scripture is final. God has no more revelation to give than what the apostles received from the Holy Spirit. They received from Him, and some of you might have never heard that before, but they received from Him All truth, not some truth, not a little truth, not some truth to help you, and then another word that you get from somebody else, the Holy Spirit gave to these apostles all truth. Jesus said, I have more to give to you, but I can't give it to you now because you can't bear it, and I haven't finished my mission. The Spirit hasn't come, but when he comes here, he's going to give you all truth, the truth of God. That's a big statement. Because if you say he's going to give you the truth of God, it rules out every other prophet coming after the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it this way to you, and I love you. I'm not trying to be edgy today. God has no more revelation to give than what the apostles received from the Holy Spirit. They received all truth from the Holy Spirit. In other words, everything God wants to say about himself, everything that God wants to say about Christ is here. We don't need any more additions than what the apostles revealed. It is finished. It is complete. Okay. The Holy Spirit gives to the apostles all truth. Now, it wasn't just the apostles. There's revelation, inspiration in the Old Testament. But that was known at that time. Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 12, 
actually says this, don't add anything to this and don't take anything away. It says that in the Old Testament, it says it in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Revelation, in the last book, in the last chapter, it says don't add, any, don't add anything to this and don't take anything away or it shall be added to you the plagues that are written in the book. In other words, beloved, you hold in your hands all truth. All truth. All truth is in your hands. In fact, look back in chapter 14, verse 26. It says, and we've seen that, I'll just touch on it. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He, masculine pronoun, right? will teach you, and I love this, all things, all things pertaining to life and godliness, all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But I love that. He's going to teach you all things, and he brought it back to their remembrance. He said, well, how did he do that? Well, he did that in a number of places. Back in John chapter 2, when he was speaking of his resurrection, it says it was not until... He was raised from the dead that his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken, John 2, 15 through 21. As Jesus died, as Jesus was raised, as Jesus was ascended, these men, men under divine inspiration through the power of the Holy Spirit penned the word of God. In fact, look back in John chapter 12 just for a moment, just one illustration of this, and there's more. But in John chapter 12, you remember at the triumphal entry where he came at the beginning of this week, we think it's Sunday of the very week we're talking about. In 1216, his disciples did not understand the things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, that's a key term in John's gospel for death, resurrection, ascension, it says, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And it's quoting the previous verse, and I think it's from the book of Psalms and Zechariah. And so they remembered, they remembered, they remembered. You say, well, how did these apostles then record all truth? They recorded all truth under divine inspiration. This is what Russ Zakarian has been laboring after in his Sunday school class that takes place here at 9 a.m. every Sunday. Divine inspiration. You say, what's that? 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says there that all Scripture, Scripture, there's a designation for it. Scripture is this, and there's a reason that we call it Scripture, both old and new, all Scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, it is, the Greek word is a weird word, theopneustos, it just means the very breath of God. The scripture that you hold in your hand is the very breath of God. And so I was just pausing there in my spirit. It just, it's just... Um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this. It's hard for me when I know this is the very breath of God and I've labored for 36 years of my life 
over 25 hours every week to accurately draw out the text to give you the very word of God and then somebody comes up on an open mic and they have a word from the Lord, it cuts against the very word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God. Number one, but let me show you a second text. Would you take your Bible, look over in 2 Peter. I showed you this once. I want you to see this again. He said, well, what did the Holy Spirit do? I'll show you. 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is a wonderful statement, an incredible statement stated by the apostle Peter. You say, why Peter? Because he's an apostle. He was with Christ. He saw the resurrected Christ. The apostles have credentials. You hold in your hand apostolic doctrine. Both the gospels, both the New Testament. Here's what Peter said. For, and I'm in 116 of 2 Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You can check that later. The transfiguration. Remember when he peeled back his glory. For when, we, when he, verse 17, received honor and glory from God the Father. And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him. On that holy mountain. Now there's some question what that holy mountain was. Some people believe it was Mount Tabor. Other people believe that it's a different mountain. But Peter, you don't have to wonder. He was there. He was on that holy mountain. And he said, and we, this is the one you got to underline. We have something more sure. Something better than the transfiguration. More sure. More confident. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Watch this, knowing first of all that no prophecy of what? Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's the text. These men, these apostles, there as you can see it, it is not the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God breathed out his scripture, and Jesus gives all truth to these apostles. These apostles give you not their will, it's not produced by Men, if you will, but it is produced by the very breath of God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter says that no prophecy of Scripture ever originated from the product of human initiative or will. It is the result of the Spirit's supernatural work through the apostles. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, God superintended the human authors that using their own individual personalities, they wrote the scripture without error as God's revelation to man in the original manuscripts. In other words, as a sailing ship 
is carried along by the wind to reach its final destination, so the human authors, the apostles, were moved by the Spirit of God to communicate exactly what God wanted to say. The Holy Spirit filled their minds. He filled their hearts with divine truth, mingling sovereignty and supernaturally with their unique styles, vocabularies, experiences, guiding them to produce a perfect, inerrant result, and you hold it in your hand. That's all truth. The Holy Spirit ensured that the apostles would remember and record Christ's very word of God and complete the New Testament canon. This beloved, here as you turn back to John 12, is a promise to the audience, and the audience there is the apostles. It's a promise, obviously Matthias would be added. It is a promise to the 12. There are 27 books in the New Testament, 39 in the Old Testament, and they lead us unto all truth. All truth. So any claim to additional truth, contrary to the teaching of Scripture found here in John chapter 16, is wrong. We have all truth. You have all truth. You do. There's nothing more that you need pertaining to life and godliness than what's been revealed by the very breath of God. Or I could say it this way to illustrate. We don't need an additional prophet by the name of Muhammad. We don't need the book of Koran that reveals his teaching. You don't need more than all truth. Muhammad is not a prophet of God and what he writes is not the truth. Joseph Smith, though he uncovered some rocks on a mountain in upstate New York, I believe in 1838, and wrote, and it was written on those tablets, that is not the truth. Nor would I say, do you need an additional word from God today, okay? Now, of course, in our pluralistic world, we appear exclusivist, but the apostles have all truth revealed to them in the scripture. So here's the sequence to truth, then the substance of the truth, it's all truth, and then there's a third way here, we'll call it the source of truth, the source of truth. This is what's fascinating. Look at verse 13. For he will not speak. This is so contrary to today. Just look at it slowly. He will not speak On his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you, the apostles, the things that are to come. In other words, I can't tell you, but he's going to come. And when he comes, he's not going to speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This is the source of truth. Whatever he hears. That's the Holy Spirit. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And the source of what he hears is from Christ. So the source of what he hears comes from the person of Christ. You say, well, Scott, how do you know that? 
Because the Bible told me that. Look at verse 14. It's in the next two verses. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. Jesus said this. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15. All the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here what is to come is paralleled in those two verses that follow what is mine. So here the Holy Spirit's going to declare to you, the apostles, the things that are to come. Now the things that are to come are not future predictions, at least in this case. That's in other places. There's prophecy in Old and New Testament, yes. But here, this is what it says, and look at it slow again. He's going to take what he hears. It's not his own. It's going to come from the Lord, and he's going to declare what is mine. Now, that's not what I hear today about the work of the Spirit. The Spirit told me this. The Spirit said this. The Spirit told me to go over here. The Spirit told me to speak. God said to me. And somehow, and I don't don't think all the people who say that know quite what they're saying. Because sometimes when they say that, I get my Bible out if I was a lot younger and probably more arrogant. And said, okay, I got my Bible out, and it's open to Revelation 22. And I've got my pen open, because if God said this to you, I'm going to add it right here. Oh, no, 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 Scott. It's not that kind. I said, well, then what kind is it? And so they don't usually put it on par with this. But I'm not quite sure what it means. I listened to a guy, I think I've told you that on YouTube, who gives prophetic word in this state. And he said, I'm right about 51% of the time. And I thought, are you kidding me? And his whole congregation laughed. I thought, wow. He gives prophetic word, and and I'm not joking. He said that I'm like a weatherman. I hope to be right about 51% of the time. And I thought, oh, Lord, that man would be stoned in the Old Testament. You make a prediction, your prediction isn't right, you were toast on the spot. So now we have a new definition, I'm getting off the point, of prophecy that you can give a prophecy and it doesn't have to be accurate. You can give a prophecy and it doesn't have to be the revealed word. Now, you, you, you say, he's going to take what is mine, I, I, I don't want you to miss this, and he's going to declare it to you, he's going to take Christ. And he's going to guide you unto all the truth. But where did Christ get his truth from? You got to understand, he's got, he's in the Trinity. Go back to John 3. Let me show you this. He's going to take the words of Christ, but I'm going to go back to you and give you a little biblical theology. Where did he get that from? Well, he's really clear. He He didn't even, he is the truth. He is the way. He got his truth from the Father. Look at verse, he got the truth of what he said in 331, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to all. He speaks, he speaks in an earthly way, but he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness, I think this is John the Baptist, to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Now watch this, underline it. For he whom God has sent... What does it say? Utters the words of God. Jesus spoke truth 
from his Father. The Father gave him the words. It's the Word of God. Look over at John chapter 7. Look at verse 16. John chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus answered them. In fact, you go back to 715. They marveled in 715, saying, How is it this man has been learning when he has never studied? And Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Pretty clear. Look over at John, the next chapter. In John chapter 8, in verse 26, he says there, he says, I have much more to say about you and much to judge, much more say to, to say to you about you and, and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. So you have to understand there's a chain, is there not, in the Trinity? One God, three distinct, if you will, persons in one one. God in three distinct roles, if you will. The son got the words from God himself, okay? I mean, it's just you can't get around it. Look at chapter 8, are you there, in verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man in 840 that has told you the truth that I heard from God, Look at verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he who sent me. He said, you can't bear to hear my word because you don't know God. Look over at 12, chapter 12. In other words, you think Jesus Christ is the truth, but here in his incarnation, he got all of his words from God. You hold in your hand the very breath of God. Look in 1249, 1249, for I have not spoken, I love this, on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, and this is what it is, what to say and what to speak. And I know that the commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has, what? Told me. The Father gave the Son, and the Son utters the words of God. The Holy Spirit's task is to take the words of Christ, who received His words from the Father, and He declares to you all truth. So, let me say this. The Holy Spirit, I'm really sorry to say this to you, is not an independent author of new truth. That's just a fact. He's not an independent author of new truth. He will not add previous things unknown to Jesus. He's not going to take you further than Jesus because he's already given you all truth. There is nothing fresh. And I, I'm really not trying to be rude. There's nothing additional beyond Christ that the Holy Spirit will speak. If you reject Christ that the apostles present by the Holy Spirit, then you are left with a Jesus in your own imagination. If you add to revelation already spoken, you have misrepresented all truth in Scripture. Listen, not only is it complete, not only is it final, but the Scripture is sufficient. Amen? 
all 66 books. And I just want to say to you, I, I suppose I mean this sarcastically, we don't need a 67th book. A woman came up to me. This happens when you're preaching, right? Last week, and it was two women, and one woman was just there taking notes of everything I said. I think, and I thought, this woman is a reporter, and she's going to take me out of context. The woman came up and said, oh, pastor, can you just help us with the Apocrypha books, and can you help us with the historical books? I hear what you're saying regarding this. I preached part of this, but, but what about these extra books in the Bible? And I said, well, certainly. I mean, there's extra books, not in our Bible, but in the Catholic Bible. There's a series of books called the Apocrypha. I said, in some cases, those books are historically accurate. In some places, those books are historically inaccurate. And they didn't make the test of Scripture. They didn't pass the test of what closed our canon. I said, some people read those. Some people find some accuracy in the history of it. And so the other lady's just writing, and I'm just kind of appealing to her gently. She says, oh, but pastor, she says, I just get so much from the book of Enoch. It's another one of these types of books. I said, okay. I, I said, you may read the book of Enoch, but it is not the breath of God. In other words, she, oh, I get so much from it. Listen, you can glean some things from history, and you could read Maccabees and get a few things out of history, but that is not in our New Testament, and there was a way that this New Testament canon was closed after the book of Revelation, what was recognized as authoritative in the local churches, what was recognized in time as the breath of God by those who knew it to be the breath of God. The book of Enoch is not one, and I said, listen, sister, listen, I, I'm thankful for you, but you spend more time in the book than you do in Enoch, okay? Do you see how people can get off? She just, I feel my spirit so lifted up by it. Listen, you may feel your spirit lifted up, but it is not inspired. I'm telling you, pleading with you, you hold in your hands the word of God, the very revelation of God that came down from God the Father, came down through the words and the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, who would give it to the apostles, the apostles would be guided unto all the truth, and here we have it. Here we have it. Liberals might say, ah, listen, times have changed, Scott. Uh, we're more sophisticated today. We're, we're more educated today. The Bible is out of touch. The Bible is out of date. It's 2,000 years old. We need something fresh. I don't think so. I just hear, there's not a week goes by that I don't hear somebody claim that the Lord spoke to them. The, and I, I don't think they mean it always heretical, but listen, listen, I just want to tell you, you have everything you need. The book is final, the book is complete, and the book is sufficient to meet your need. Listen, God got it right the first time, unless some of you out here think that he got it wrong. And you need to add something to it. And it's not complete. Listen, what you need is not a wild goose chase. What you need is not a second blessing. What we need is probably a second hour in the scripture. Right? Listen, you've got everything you need in that wonderful book. So here's the sequence to the truth, the substance to the truth, the source of truth. Next time together, we'll look at the spotlight of truth.